Ayo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at EcknerWall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. We are coming to you live from the West Loop of Chicago after another thrilling, enticing, entertaining, and fast-paced baseball mm. game from the Chicago White Sox. They did, unfortunately, lose this one 8-4, to four, making it their eighth straight loss. And I want to go directly to this. As general manager Rick Hahn laid out the potential shift in White Sox philosophy Thursday, he may have given this era of White's, uh, of Southside baseball a new slogan. We're mired in mediocrity, Hahn said. That's not the goal. That's not acceptable. The goal was to put ourselves in a situation to win a championship, and being stuck at 500 or around 500 doesn't do that. We may well have to adjust and take a longer-term view and take a different approach going forward. That was back... On July 22nd, 2016, and today on September 28th, 2022, the White Sox fall to 76 and 79 in what the second year of the window officially because Rick Hahn said the window opened after the 2020 season. So in the second year of the window, the Sox are below 500 and still mired in mediocrity. Yeah, that was six years ago. Weird. Who was the general manager of that team back then? Well, oh, it was Rick Hahn. We just oh. we just read the quotes. It's oh, funny. okay. Weird. I was just wondering, like, hmm. So I would think, like, that team was mired in mediocrity back then, and six years later, they're still mired in mediocrity? Hmm. Seems to me that general manager doesn't know how to build a team and doesn't know how to build a winner, as he's had, what, 10 seasons and he's only had two winning ones, one in a short year in 2020, and then one in 2021. Hmm. Maybe that guy's not built for this job. Maybe he should find something else to do. And I hope the uh, general manager will remove himself or have himself removed to, after this season because there's no excuse for him at all. And I know people will eventually have an excuse for Rick Hahn. Well, Jerry did this. Well, Kenny still on well. And that's why we call him Teflon Hahn. Nothing ever sticks to him. Ever sticks to him. It will be people in the comments today caping for Rick Hahn. He deserves to be fired. I don't think I mean, we haven't heard too many people caping for Rick Hahn. I got to give White Sox fans credit. I think everyone's sick of this crap. I think they're sick of Tony La Russa. I think they're sick of Jerry Reinsdorf. I think they're sick, sick of Kenny Williams. I think they're sick of Rick Hahn. I, again, I, I mean, after that Guardians loss, I was ready to fire everybody running the parking. Um, I was just sick of it. And I, I think White Sox fans are, are sick of it as well. And I want you to guess when this quote's from. As much as anyone in the front office, or probably as much as any fan, he feels frustration and disappointment about where we sit today, Han says. Um, that's about Jerry Reinsdorf, but I mean, I, I could also say that is what Rick Han said about himself after the trade deadline, which he failed at. I literally was going to think that was his quote from the trade deadline where he was disappointed in himself. So I don't know where he gets off with all these quotes and comments. And somebody brings up Garpex. The one thing I always wondered about Garpex and Jerry. I mean, and um, Kenny and Rick, you know that the owner is going to give you a lot of longitude, a lot of latitude to do whatever the fuck you want. He's not going to fire you. So why don't you do some things outside the box? 
Do some things that are creative. Don't just do the same stuff. You have a lot of rope. You can do different things. You can have uh, different out-of-the-box thinking, but you do the same shit, and then you get the same results. I don't understand why he still has a job. I don't understand why they're not more adventurous when they do their free agent signings, do their international signings. They're good at signing these guys on the on the early uh, part of their careers, like some before they even take a bat. That's good for Rick Hahn, so cost certainty is great. But they should do a lot more of out-of-the-box thinking because of the the longevity they have. I think somebody the other day said that only Brian Cashman and Mike Rizzo have more of a longer GM tenure than Rick Hahn. So what are you doing? You're allowed to have eight losing seasons out of 10. So let's go. They're going to allow you to probably for next year in 2023 to come back for your 11th season. Do something different. You did. Oh, God damn. Ooh. I almost called him a name. What were you going to say Ooh. there, Herbie? God damn it. These Uh-oh. people are just frustrating. That team is boring as shit. Yeah, it is. That's worse than the 2016 team at all. Like, at least the 2016 team did some things where I'm like, okay, maybe they have some chances. Remember, they traded for uh, that man, James Shields, when they thought they had a chance to win the uh, AL Central and go into the playoffs. But this team is lifeless. This team is garbage. They don't do anything that is exciting. That was three hour of a slog fest. I'm glad that most of you guys didn't watch this game. And then we got Joe Kelly in the game. Rick Hahn's shining free agent signing coming in the game late. And the slowest pitcher in the league. And becoming Joe Kelly again. A very disappointing season for Joe Kelly. It's garbage. Yeah, we don't need to talk too much about the actual game because there wasn't much that went on. Um, but to just continue about the Rick Hahn stuff, uh, Snake Eyes saying, I wish I had a job like that with that accountability or lack of accountability. And you brought up Brian Cashman. Do you want to know the last time that team had a losing season? It's going to make you sick. Um, I'm going to try to think. It's probably 1993. It's a great guess. So this year it's 1992. Or uh, this year it's 2022. That was 30 years ago from their last losing season. The Yankees' last losing season was 1992, and they went 76-86. and 86. Outside of that, they have not had a losing season, and that's why Brian Cashman has the job security that he has, and Mike Rizzo, uh, not in the same boat there, but he's won a, a ring a little bit more recently, and they're going through uh, ownership changes at, at, in that club, so it, it was a real difficult uh, you know, spot for, for Rizzo to be in, but I think you look at the way he's managed that Nationals team uh, post-World Series win, I don't think he'd be getting rave reviews. Let's quickly talk about today's loss. Johnny Cueto was the starter for the White Sox and the starter for the Twins. I called him Dylan Winder. Uh, it was Josh Winder. So great job by me there. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. If uh, it was uh, some guy named Dylan Winder, he would have came in and threw like six innings of three hit ball with only like four earned. Well, and the thing too is, you know, the, the White Sox just went up against a, you know, generic right-hander. So we can just assume that it was a loss. Top of the first, White Sox went down one, two, three. Bottom of the first, Twins went one, down one, two, three. Top of the second, the Sox did score two runs. Grandall single to right field, scoring Sheets and Pollock. Then Harrison hit, hit a sack fly, scoring Pollock. But then in the bottom of the second, that lead didn't last for long. I think the White Sox tweeted out, and we have the lead. And four minutes later, the Twins already had the lead. Uh, Jose Miranda, my guy, uh, single to right center. Then Gio Urshela, what a fella, double to left field. 
Then Jake Cave singled the right field, making it two to one. And then Matt Walner doubled to deep right, making it three to two. We wouldn't have more scoring until the bottom of the fourth, where the Twins would pad that lead. Walner would reach on an infield single to first. An ugly play, uh, a roller down the first baseline. Jose picked it up looked home and tried to throw out Gio Urshela, but then panicked and said, I can't get him. And then by the time he turned and looked at first base, Matt Walner was already there and he was safe. No play. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that is White Sox baseball. I think both Steven and I gave out an audible gasp. Like they're like, oh God, what are we doing? Like at least get one out there. Like if you're going to catch that ball and look to home at the very minimum inch over to the first baseline, that's why half the reason why he couldn't tag the guy going down first base is because he was too far off the line and thinking about getting Geo at the plate. He had no outs. So this is just so much White Sox things happening in this game and so boring. I don't know how people watch this. I don't know oh, I don't think why do. they watch this. I was watching it because we got to do this show. But if you don't have a actual reason to watch this game, I don't know why. I, White Sox weren't watching this game. They were they were doing something else. I'm sure <laughs> the designated hit was in there playing some Switch or some shit like that and chilling out. He wasn't interested in this. I mean, uh, you go on Mancada, I didn't see him on the sidelines and the bench. He probably was chilling, watching something else. I would do something. Anything else. Anything else. There was somebody watching MLB.TV today instead of watching the White Sox. Yeah, it was Tom Jankowski. Right, and uh, watching the, I'm guessing, Judge Chase. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Chi-Town Fanboy saying, the good news is there's seven games left. The bad news is there's seven games left. Mm. Um, to continue in what happened in this game, Jeffers grounded into a double play. Uh, shortstop to second to first, but Jake Cave scored on that one, making it 5-2. Jose Abreu singled in the top of the fifth, scoring Josh Harrison, making it 5-3, to three, but that ended the threat. And then in the sixth inning, uh, Celestino walked, Urshela scored, uh, and that was with the bases loaded after Johnny Cueto got the bases loaded, and then Jake Diekman, um couldn't throw a strike. Shocking. It was weird. Just throw it down the middle. Let him hit as far as he wants to hit the ball instead of walking him, you jerk. It was just, I hate that. The season's over. Your stats already suck. Throw the ball over the middle. That was not even your run. And throw the ball right down the middle and let... Celestino hit it as far as Celestino can hit it. And as our guy Ed Farmer said, or, you know, yeah, said, uh, he's on the team for next year because his contract's already signed. So he's not turning down that money. Great job, Rick Hahn. Oh, great job, Rick Hahn. Uh, Top of the seventh, the White Sox do add to their run total. They had three before the inning started, and then they had four after Vaughn single to right field. Harrison scored. Andres moved to second. Um, Then Jose Abreu was uh, hit by a pitch, which loaded the bases, but with with, with one out. Uh, But then Jimenez grounded into a double play because the White Sox exist. Uh, Bottom of the seventh is when Joe Kelly came in and kind of just stunk it up. My guy, Jose Miranda, doubled the deep center, scoring Carlos Correa, making it seven to four. And then the final one was uh, Luis Arise single to right field scoring Billy Hamilton and making it 8-4. Nothing really sticking out performance-wise. We could talk a little bit about Johnny Cueto here um, and Josh Winder uh, if we want to look at their stats. Cueto went five and two-thirds. He gave up six earned runs, 10 hits allowed, one walk, but seven strikeouts. Josh Winder, four and two-thirds, six hits, three earned runs, no walks, six Ks. Josh Winder. The great Johnny Cueto is, even if he was pitching the way he had pitched early in the year, I wouldn't want him back because what he did earlier in the season was caught lightning in the bottle. He was pitching really well. I don't want him back for next year, and I hope he signs a nice contract with some other team where he can uh, finish off his career with a different team. 
but he has proven in these last couple starts that he's run out of gas, and you can see the miles per hour on his fastball sometimes topping out at 89 miles per hour on his four-seamer. So he's done well for himself for the White Sox, and I appreciate what he brought to the team this year, uh, a sense of uh, professionalism, showing uh, Ronaldo Lopez how to train, a little bit more running for Ronaldo Lopez, and hopefully that will help him in the future going forward. But as far as Johnny Cueto, we see the pitcher that is now is the pitcher I thought we're going to get earlier in the year. But he overall has been a great pitcher for the White Sox. But for next year, don't want him back. Yeah, I don't I don't think I want him back. And I think that he can definitely pitch still uh, in the league. And yeah. if they wanted to bring him back in like the Vince Velasquez swingman role, I think that might be a spot that could be interesting to watch him pitch out of. But I don't think he would want to take that low of a role and that low of money. So I really don't see a marriage between Cueto and the Sox happening because, again, he's still got an ERA under 350. Um, I do want to go up to JJ saying, no way y'all are crying about Diekman. Um I don't remember being the biggest Jake Diekman fan in the world, but he pitched one-third of an inning today, also walked in a runner, and Jake Diekman has raised his ERA. Um, he, when he came to the White Sox, it was at 423. Now it's at 513. He has an ERA of 731 as a White Sox. So just put me out of my misery. I, I, I Of course I'd be crying about Jake Diekman. I thought the trade was fine when they made it. Reese McGuire for Jake Diekman. It's fine, but now the fact that Diekman's going to be on the team for next year uh, makes it look a lot worse because he's been performing so badly. I mean, even if he was like still sitting around that four and run average, I think we'd be able to swallow it. But just the fact that he's been so high, he hasn't been able to locate the strike zone when he comes in. I mean, it's just been brutal to watch Jake Diekman play. And Dan, and to, to that point, Daniel Gamboa asked how the Sox purposely losing to get a better draft pick out of it. I don't think so. I don't think they're that smart. Um, I just think they're just bad and they don't give a damn anymore after. And we had Vinny on yesterday after the game and pretty much Elvis Andres admitted as much. He said, we gave it our all in that Tuesday game versus the guardians. And then when it came up short, we kind of lost all motivation and it was hard for us to get back up and you can see how they've played. We looked over the numbers. They only had one lead that whole Detroit series it was in the fourth inning of the Sunday game, which they lost that game eventually. I think the Tigers scored a run in the seventh and three in the eighth. Lifeless-ass White Sox just didn't do anything in that. So they lost to the Tigers the whole weekend where they didn't have the lead except for the fourth inning in the last game of the series. So it's it's not that they're not that smart. They're not that good to, you know, purposely tank. And I think this year is a uh, draft lottery anyway. So. Yes, first year that the draft lottery has been in. So the White Sox losing, uh, I guess, is good for at least that rule. Um, Improves their odds, but they're still not as bad as they need to be. Well, I mean, it's good that Minnesota and them are now tied. Um, they're tied mm-hmm. at 14 and 15. So if they lose tomorrow, they'll be able to jump uh, Minnesota. And last time we checked this, they were still chasing San Francisco. And they've leapfrogged uh, San Francisco. They're around four. Uh, 0.4- 8% to win the lottery. Now they're at 0.62. If they jump Minnesota, they'll be at 0.76. So when they jump Minnesota, because Minnesota now has the series lead, well, has the series lead for the season? I have no idea. This is Tankathon. They're just showing me win percentage and win loss record. So I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. Um, I'll have to look into that. I don't know enough about the, the draft so lottery and stuff like that. Um, you mentioned the Sox not being smart. I am smart. 
I bet on the Twins tonight on points bet. Good this job. football season, points bet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad's over, you can place a bet on a live same game parlay. You could bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet. With points bet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before, and you can build the perfect live same game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. You can choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet's lightning bets. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit as a new customer using the code CHGO, you'll still get those two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but you also get a yearly CHGO membership. You'll get access to our CHGO Discord, and you'll get a free shirt from our CHGO Locker. You could find all of the shirt options at CHGO locker.com if you or somebody know has a gambling problem and wants help call 100 gambler for crisis counseling and referral services and our next partner pins and aces they're the official golf apparel partner of chgo i love my pins and aces gear when i see it on steven i don't golf a ton but steven does and he tells me he gets tons of compliments on and off the course when he's wearing his pins and aces gear and it's mainly because they're a family-owned golf and apparel business company they are making sure that all of their stuff looks up to uh, the, the, the peak uh, performance, right? That to, to, the, to the best of their abilities. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. Uh, it's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. I know a little bit about golf. There's nine holes on the front uh, end. There's nine holes on the back end. Seven beers is close enough to nine where I think you could probably enjoy a front nine with seven beers and keep them cold in the beer sleeve from our friends over at Pins and Aces. So check them out at pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com, code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and to get free shipping at pinsandaces.com, P-I-N-S-A-N-D-A-C-E-S.com. Let's go out to Minnesota to Target Field. Minnesota. Minnesota to our guy, Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber, and you can read his latest piece on allchgo.com if you take advantage of that points bet offer and become a member today. Um, it's titled, Injuries Explained as a Story of Disappointing Season, Haunting the White Sox to Bitter End and Beyond. So, Vinny, let's talk about these injuries. Uh, let's start off on kind of a sour note here. Um, how, how did this... How does the team view 2022 to 2021 when it comes to injuries? Um, I mean, listen, both of those seasons were kind of defined by injuries, right? And I think uh, 2021 was more so the big ones that knocked out, you know, four guys, really, if you count Nick Madrigal, who obviously ended up being traded, you know, right around the middle of the season. Uh, if you count those four guys, Aloy, Luis Robert, Grandal, and Nick Madrigal, um, you know, those those were the story of last season. Those four injuries, those guys were missed months at a time, the, all four of them. Uh, this was kind of a never-ending wave. And and there were a few guys who were out for a really long time. Lance Lynn uh, comes to mind. Aloy Jimenez comes to mind. Yasmani Grandal again comes to mind. Um, but it just never stopped. It, it was, it whether it was those big ones or just a guy going on the IL or a guy not going on the IL and dealing with, uh, you know, injuries in the season while they were trying to still get back and play every single day. So uh, it, it it's not really super easy to compare those two seasons per se, uh, as I uh, as, as the fine folks here at Target Field uh, do some, some late night work to, to get things ready for tomorrow's early start. But, uh, you know, I think this year they're very much looking back and, and saying, 
this year was injuries. It was dominated by injuries. I don't think they're using it as an excuse because every time they say that, they'll say, but of course all that other stuff happened, you know, uh, to go along with them. But uh, there's no doubt that uh, they never were able to get into a rhythm. Uh, and, and you could point to injuries as a reason that they weren't. Probably not the only reason. Uh, but it is one of the reasons they were never able to get into a rhythm because they hardly ever had the lineup they envisioned to have on the field together at the same time. I think about uh, Miguel Cairo and how the White Sox responded to him. He initially took over as the acting manager of the White Sox, and so we saw the immediate bounce of White Sox energy. Wins were there, all that good stuff. You know, you can say the wins, you know, and the energy are because of the wins. And now with the eight-game losing streak, I just hope that if the rumors are true that Tony La is not coming back, that Miguel Cairo gets a fair shot of interviewing for this job in the future and not having this eight-game losing streak go against him because I don't know what you can do here. Like the He can only do so much and say so much. He can only go to the hammer and the whip every once in a while. So do you think theoretically if – he is uh, one of the candidates that this eight-game losing streak might cost him a shot at being interviewed or having a shot at the 2023 uh, manager job. I don't, and only because I think that the White Sox having him on the bench for the last two years know what they're dealing with with this guy. Um, I think they have enough familiarity where they would be able to evaluate him independent of, uh, you know, solely these results that you saw, good or bad, over the last month or so. Um, I, I think you probably could say that he would be a candidate or at least a speculative candidate until somebody comes out and says otherwise. Um But, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys, uh, I think, from across the league that would be involved in such a thing should the White Sox get to that point. Uh, When it comes to Miguel Cairo, I think he showed that um, he deserves a shot at a job like this one. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this one, uh, but uh, certainly taking over, getting a positive response and going in front of the media every day and telling everybody his philosophy every single day. Right. I mean, he, he's he's showing in the moment. Listen, the best thing you can do to show people how you're going to do the job is to do the job. And uh, he's he's done it over the last month. And uh, the White Sox, should they have a managerial opening, uh, will not need to guess at what he would be like because they'll have uh, an example uh, right right here that they've been watching every single day. I, I don't think it it really hinges too much on what his win-loss record is going to be because the circumstances that he was put into uh, are not ones where you can really judge uh, based on the outcomes because not only were they the weird circumstances of taking over for someone uh, you know who had to go away with health problems and you know some they walk up to him one night and say oh boy you're managing and, and you end up managing for a month but at the same time it's just, it's a team that had played five seasons, five months of baseball and five months of very disappointing baseball at that. So uh, to go ahead and hold, uh, like I said, positive or negative, the results, uh, you know, to, to, to what kind of manager he would be in the future over the course of a full season doesn't seem fair, and I don't think the White Sox would think that way. Well, and just to zoom out to the White Sox as a whole right now, the Mariners are up 3-1 to one against Texas in the top of the sixth. If they win tonight, that will be their 84th victory. The White Sox have seven games left. 76 plus 7 is 83, which means they would not be... Oh, thank you for doing the math. Uh, The White Sox would be eliminated from postseason contention if the Mariners win tonight. Uh, I know the nail has basically been in the coffin since September 20th, but um, this would be the final nail uh, tonight. Uh, How did the guys... I mean, obviously, it's got to be dead in that locker room uh, after a loss like tonight and losing eight straight, but um, it is just weird to see this team kind of lie down um, after that that Guardians loss. Uh, 
not making it to eight. Well, I'll just ask this. Um, the fact that they weren't able to be one of seven teams this year in 2022. Um, what's the big takeaway fans should have, I guess. The takeaway fans should have that the White Sox didn't make the playoffs, that it was just really, really bad. I mean, you know, this is a team that this is a team that came into the season thinking that they were capable of winning the World Series. And regardless of the level of talent on this roster, which I think everybody would agree is still pretty high. Certainly a lot of people would would say that, you know, maybe it's not as high as they thought it was six months ago. But I'm of the opinion that this is still a very talented roster that give if they played better, would be able to to be among those championship caliber teams. They did not show for really more than a game or two over the course of the entire season that they were capable of playing championship baseball. And, uh, you know, I, I think that um, they're left picking up the pieces with that. There are people who are in charge who are going to make – very important decisions coming up here to see if this team, if this roster or the bulk of it is capable of doing something like that. And it's going to shape the entire offseason and the entire year going forward next year. Um, yeah, what fans should take away is that it was a big time failure by this team to deliver on the promise of its talent. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that's what you are hearing. Listen, I, I, I just wrote tonight about how everybody's saying injuries were the main storyline. Um, they know, though. They know. And, and when they say, when they say, you know, we were injured, we didn't have anybody together all year, they usually follow it up with, and we didn't play to our potential at all. And, and, and so they know. They just they watched it. <laughs> they played it. They lived it. Um, it, is, it is not what anybody expected. Um, and there's a reason uh, everybody has been as angry as they have all year because what was expected uh, really didn't show up at all, ever. Well, and I want to make up for the, the bad question I just asked. So we've seen now two eight-game losing streaks this season uh, from the 20th to the 28th, and then earlier on this year uh, from the 17th to the 26th. Uh, which one's been your, your least favorite to watch? Is it, has it been the one in April or the one in September? Oh, God. My, I mean, at least, <laughs> at least the one in April, you knew that they were it was going to end at some point, right? Like, I mean, this one just seems to be going on forever, and it's the same story every night. I mean, guys, right. they scored four runs tonight. Uh, that's the most runs they've scored since the first game of this losing streak, the game that we all agreed that they played pretty well in against Cleveland and just came up short. Uh, every game after that, the, the six in between loss one and loss eight – uh, have been three runs or fewer. Uh, you know they didn't. They didn't do anything. They haven't done anything during this during these last seven games of this eight game losing streak. And uh, yeah, there's there's nothing. There's been nothing fun about watching the, this baseball over the last week and a half. I think my my least favorite stretch, Herb. I'm not sure about you. Would probably be the September one, but they scored 2.6 runs in those eight games. They scored 1.9 in April. So <laughs> I guess the one in April was uglier just by runs scored. Yeah, um, both uh, started by the Cleveland Guardians, uh, beating the White Sox. Uh, Vinny, I see that Dylan Cease is scheduled to start on Saturday, and so that means that Vinny, I mean, that uh, Dylan Cease would only have one more start. I was, you know, kind of saddened by that because that means that his Cy Young opportunities and hopes are all contingent on that one start versus the San Diego Padres. Uh, What went into that decision when Miguel Cairo having him only pitch one more start? I think it's more about keeping everybody on schedule at this point and, you know, not shaking things up and, and, you know, um, making guys go through something different in the, in the middle of this kind of bummer of an end to the season. You know, I, I think 
keeping everybody on on pace and, and ready to go and, and getting everybody else their innings too, um, you know, is, is equally important here as, as you go into the offseason. Um, yeah, I, I thought given the off day this past Monday that it would have been Nice to, to be able to throw Dylan in the final game just to just to put on a bit of a show. Right. I mean, we you know, I think somebody was telling me earlier today, I think it was Andrew Vaughn, you know, that their jobs to put on a show for the fans. Uh, you know, if if that's part of the thinking, you would think that that, you know, throwing the brightest spot of this season in Dylan Cease out there for the final home game, the final game of this season uh, would be. Uh, you know, a nice send off. We'll put it that way. Uh, and, and instead, that's not going to be the case. Uh, it doesn't diminish anything Dylan's done this season, obviously. Um, but yeah, there will be no more uh, chances to see him pitch at Guaranteed Rate Field this year. Uh, Luis Robert was shut down already this season, but you guys got a chance to talk with him today in Minnesota. What did Robert have to say about the injury? I know he talked about the hand and and kind of the decision to play through that injury. Yeah, he said a lot actually. Luis was really good today. He was really he was really expansive uh, on his comments. Basically, said he wanted so badly to play, especially because you know his this stretch started when the White Sox were technically still in it. You know what I mean? When they were looking to go into that Cleveland series, and you know they were playing on that good that good West Coast road trip that they had. Um, he he wanted to play so badly that he just went out and fought through it. And uh, he said in the end that was a mistake. He screwed it up by doing that. Um, you know, they, they let him do that. And we've talked to death the reasons they didn't immediately put him on the injured list, you know, uh, but but they, they let him play through, try to play through it, try to figure it out. And what ended up happening was what you saw. He went up to the plate. He was afraid that he was going to hurt it or, you know, he his, he wasn't afraid. His body told him that his hand hurt and he adjusted his swing accordingly. And it ended up looking like some of the most ridiculous swings that you've ever seen in a major league baseball game. And he was doing it almost subconsciously because you know it was oh when i move my hand this way it means that you know that the that it's not going to hurt and so um and it, it never got better and i think uh we're, we're looking at uh you know he's been going to some specialists uh, and taking a look getting opinions trying to figure out what's going on i think he's got a checkup in a couple of weeks um and it 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 sounded like Rick Hahn last weekend when he was talking to the to the to the media said that kind of dismissed the idea of a, of a procedure being needed to be done. But I think you know maybe the, maybe the door is still open for that depending on what the, how the checkup goes. You know, we'll, we'll, I think kind of it just we'll see. Um, but is yeah, it still be uh, re- yeah. reported as a sprained wrist? Yeah. Okay. That's what, I mean that's what he went on the IL with. You know, uh, for the longest time we were be, it was being told to us that it was a bruise. There was a deep bruise that he suffered when he uh, slid into second base there. Obviously, getting hit in the uh, hand in, in Seattle didn't help, though he didn't say it like caused the setback or anything. It just, you know, it hurt. Uh, and listen, when your job is to swing a baseball bat, if your hand hurts, it's going to make it hard. Uh, so, you know, he, 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 was, he, was very, um, he was very upfront about how he thought that he kind of screwed up by, by trying to play through it. Doesn't mean that had he been shut down, he'd be back. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, you know, I, the idea is that he'll be fine come next spring. But uh, right now, he and for the last month, really, he hasn't he hasn't been fine. And, uh, you know, kudos to him for, for trying to gut it out. We see guys like Jose Abreu do that all the time with all sorts of uh, different maladies. And uh, uh, Luis Robert wasn't just he just wasn't able to be himself while doing what he thought was at the time a, you know, a gutsy thing to do to try to help this team win. Do you have another Sox question or are you going to the... The thing that he did. I have today. no more Sox okay. questions. Before you get to that, I got I got one more thing, and then we'll, we'll talk to you about your day in Minneapolis. Um, so, did Luis talk about what it was like discussing playing with the front office? Like, was it 
his choice to, to, to do that? Like, was that the picture that he was kind of choosing? Was it, it was either, you know, the, he, the Sox can put him on the IL and, you know, he could just rest up or he would try to fight through it like he wanted to and, and the, the team just let him do it? Well, guys, listen, they're never going to let Luis Robert or any other player be a doctor. They, you know what I mean? They, they had to get the correct clearance in order to let him do that. I think the idea was he was – he was okay to try to fight through it, and it didn't feel better for him. And I think that's what it kind of came down to. Um, it, I don't see any reason why anybody should think that by doing this they jeopardized his future or anything like that. There's been no reason to believe that that is even a thing. Um, they they Did they let him play hurt? They let him play at less than 100%. But as Miguel Cairo explained to us earlier this, you know, earlier this week, this is baseball. This is a six-month marathon, and everybody is dealing with something. Uh, I mean, you you can see Jose Abreu out there. Well, I mean, he, he makes that – he makes or doesn't make that play to, in tonight's game where he gets the ground ball to him, thinks that maybe he's going to go home, ends up not having a play anywhere. It, it looked like he rolled his ankle there. He, he, comes, he, he comes up from what at first seemed like some indecision – hobbling around i mean you know these these guys are these guys all have something going on i think that's a big thing you got to remember with yohan moncada uh this is a guy who the really the last two years 21 and 22 obviously 2020 the the covid infection and the after effects thereof were well chronicled he was not himself in any way 21 and 22 it really seems like he's just been hurt all years in both years he's been just playing through stuff that it makes him not a hundred percent and that's baseball in a way. And I think you, you should be impressed by the guys who do uh, put up good numbers at this time of the year, because they're probably not feeling the greatest after being at the end of this very long marathon. Um, but uh, that most of the guys are just, you know, they don't feel great, but there's a difference between being hurt and being sore. I think Luis was probably teetering on the edge of the, that line. You know what I mean? And, and But again, they're never going to let a player be their own doctor. They're going, they have doctors and trainers for a reason. Yeah. And to wrap that up, he got hurt on the 12th, um, did make an appearance on the 17th as a pinch runner and then returned on the 20th. So in, in a way had an eight day IL stint without actually having an official IL stint. So, um, you know, it, they, they kind of gave him 10 days off to, to figure it out there. And last two questions I got for you, Vinny, and two questions here. How was your day in Minnesota? And in your travels, did you purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? I did not. I was. Uh, I, I did cross one of the ten thousand lakes off my off my list. So one down, nine nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine to go. Uh, I, I took a nice lap around. Uh, uh, Bede Makaska, I believe. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but that's the uh, the uh, they they changed the name. It used to be Lake Calhoun, which is the, the largest lake in Minneapolis, and uh, they renamed it after the the, the Native American uh, name there for it. So that's uh, that's a, a cool thing that they did here, uh, and I was able to walk around that. That was very nice, very fun. Did not get to take a dip. Did not get to do any canoeing, uh, as it is uh, you know after Labor Day and closed for the season up here, as it's uh, you know. 40 something degrees outside right now. But, uh, you know, uh, it was it was nice to be able to say that in the land of 10,000 lakes, I did take some time to experience, at least in some way, a lake. Largest lake in their city and it only covers 401 acres. Get one that covers 22,404 square miles, you dorks. Um, anyways, that was just a, you know, sh- a shot. They what? have the biggest. They have the biggest lake. It's just. It's just north a bit. Yeah, it's I all heard the way it's at the top of the state. Yeah, I heard it's superior and all that stuff. That's enough. Um, let's go to 
the big thing about Vinny's day in Minnesota, you got some records. Um, so why don't you take us through the hall here? Uh, we see the clear one being Prince and the Re- Revolution. You got to get Purple Rain here. Uh, but what's the one hiding behind Prince? I couldn't make it out. Pancake. That well, that's uh, that's Illinois' own. That's Central Illinois' own Head East uh, and their album Flat as a Pancake uh, mm-hmm. from from the uh, the decade of the 1970s. There, uh, recorded in uh, uh, South Pekin, Illinois. Um, but, uh, yeah, you might, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the song, uh, that they're, that's their big hit, uh, from that album, uh, which of course I can't, oh, never been any reason. There you go. That's yep. the song that I couldn't remember the name of there, but I, the whole album's good, trust me. And so I finally got that one on, uh, on vinyl there. Those, those were the two that I picked up, but, uh, yes, Electric Fetus, the name of the record store here in Minneapolis, uh, <laughs> tremendous, tremendous selection, great name and uh, tremendous selection. <laughs> Uh, you know, a huge, huge record store. So it was really fun to be in there for for a while. I'm just reading this on the Wikipedia page for Flat as a Pancake. The diner photographed on the back of the cover of the reissue is the Right Way Diner, and it's still in business as the Olivet Diner um, in Olivet, Missouri. Any trips when you were in Columbia to the uh, to the Olivet Diner? No, can't say I've been there. <laughs> I tried to minimize my time in rural Missouri. Uh, blame you. Though I suppose that uh, I suppose that Columbia could count as that to some. But uh, yeah, tried to tried to keep it to uh, Columbia and Kansas City when I was down in down in Mizzou. And you got uh, James Thaddeus saying Head East Rules and Nutty Sports Video saying uh, Vinny, great album. So uh, nice job on that one. Uh, so let's go to the final thing we got for you. You're you're, you're wrapped up, right? Yeah. All right. So someone, Stephen Niss added me on Twitter today saying, I remember the CHGO pre-season uh, pre, uh, show that talked about this specific topic, and I would like to play the video and run it back and just get our reactions because, man, we were real, real headstrong about some certain thing happening with this 2022 White Sox squad. You can roll it, Steven. Thank and before we move away from the home run talk, A.J. Pollock had career-high home runs last year. That's right. He Just hit, saying. Yeah, he hit uh, 21 last year. Yep. So, I mean, he might be – that might be your seventh eight? White Sox. Yeah, eight. eight, eight White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> <Just Whoa>. <laughs> When's <laughs> the last time there was a lineup where all nine guys hit over 20 uh, home runs? I don't know, but here, here, there was another one, too, from Steven Niss, who was really just looking to get his name on the, the broadcast. <laughs> he just has um, good points. He said Josh <laughs> Harrison <laughs> is going to go over 20 now. He's never hit 20 in his career, Steven. Uh, on this team. That's osmosis. Power by osmosis. <laughs> 13 and 16 uh, are the career high for uh, Josh Harrison in the power department for home runs. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll have to look up all these stats about uh, when they're going to come uh, come, come happen. Yeah, so I didn't look at all those stats that would come happen, I think is the exact quote from me. Um, but we said seven to eight White Sox would have 20 or more home runs. Andrew Vaughn currently leads the team with 17, and there's seven games left. Do we think any White Sox will get to 20 home runs this year? Boy, it doesn't look like it. Boy, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, listen, it's, it's uh, amusing to go back and laugh at, uh, at that, but I think at the same time, there's a serious note to be struck there, which is, listen, that's what this team was built to do. And they did not do it at all. They, uh, they, you want to, you want to point to the reason, in my opinion, that they ended up where they ended up. They did not hit any home runs. And this is a team that I don't, I, I watched that video and I don't, I don't think that was that ridiculous of a thing to say at the time. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, as, I, I, as, I'm being, as I'm being video bombed here, but I don't think that that was uh, I don't think that that was a ridiculous thing to say at the time. They just didn't do it. This is what this, this is what this team was built to do. And they failed dramatically to do that. 
And, and, and that's why everything else stands out, in my opinion. That's why the defense stands out. That's why when you have a, a uh, season pitching, uh, a pitching season like Lucas Giolito had, it stands out, right? Because there's nobody there to, to hit a bunch of home runs to cover up for it. You know what I mean? They go out and make a, an error on defense or, or they make some, uh, you know, bad base running play or something like that. Okay, who cares? They're going to hit three home runs and you're going to forget about it because they're going to win. Um, that didn't happen at all. And so, yeah, that that video is funny to play now because we were very, very wrong with a prediction. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but guess what? So was everybody. Right. Because so so was everybody. So was everybody on that team. So was everybody in the front office, because that's what this team was supposed to do. Everybody Amen. in baseball was wrong. Yes. I mean, they would have agreed with us, you know, maybe not to the degree of six or seven, but five. Not zero. I mean, we, <laughs> jo- we joked that three guys would hit 30. It was Aloy, uh, Luis Robert, and I think you guys wanted to throw in Jose Abreu. I said under. But why is like that a, a joke? For that one. But why was that a joke? At well, the it time? wasn't we like, you know. We weren't joking. We were like, being serious. <laughs> but, like, look at the embarrassment of riches, right? Like, you know, it, more more of a – and I, we, rightfully so. Again, we pre- predicted the team to win 90 games. I think I saw a prediction for, uh, like, all the uh, – What's it called? Uh, prognosticators uh, of like their preseason predictions. Not a single t- person picked anybody besides the White Sox to win the AL Central. So I'm not saying that we were in the wrong spot, but it's just funny looking back for sure. Oh, it's funny. I'm just saying. I think I think that that <laughs> video right there. I think that video that you played right there is is the number one reason why this team did not do what they did. Yes, that we 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 put the mush on that team. Uh, and shout out to Steven Nitz. Yeah, it was our jinxing it. That's what I meant. Yeah, it was. It was supernatural a- <laughs> abilities. We have them. We we are the only people that have the ability to jinx baseball teams. And uh, you know, we we really put you to good use this year. And uh, shout out to Steven Nitz, who's in the uh, the chat here. Uh, I was a hundred percent serious, fellas, about Josh Harrison hitting twenty home runs, and you were a hundred percent. Wrong. Thank you, Stephen, for reminding us of that one. And thank you, Vinny, for joining us from Minnesota. Have a nice last day there. And uh, it's a, it's an early one. 11 o'clock? Well, 11.30 pregame for us. 12 okay. o'clock. 12.10 starts out there in Minnehota. So enjoy a nice uh, Minnehota breakfast for us, Vinny Duber. Last time I was here, last summer, I had a great blueberry donut. So maybe mm. I'll try to get that on the way to the ballpark tomorrow. Very nice. Delicious. Enjoy. Uh, follow Vinny Duber on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And his latest piece was just published to allchgo.com. So if you want to read quotes from Joe McEwing, uh, Luis Robert, uh, Miguel Cairo, and I think there's also Dylan Cecil here, uh, check out Vinny's piece at allchgo.com and read up about the injuries and what the Sox think about the 2022 injuries. Thanks, Vinny. All right, guys. Good night. Good night, and uh, hey, I have jinxing power apparently when I bet on points bet. The points bet pick of the week is Minnesota Twins money line. I won yesterday, I won today, and I'm going to win tomorrow. Let's go, baby. Uh, I'm just putting money on the White Sox to lose, and uh, I think it's just insane mushing power that we have. You saw that we uh, we jinxed the White Sox here, and uh, I'm going to jinx them again. White Sox lose tomorrow. I'll take Minnesota on the money line. I don't care what what the line's at. If it's at minus 150, plus 100, let's go. My pockets are straight right now, but uh, can you jinx them? Uh, and say that I never will win the Powerball or uh, Mega Millions? I think it only works with the White Sox, but uh, you will never win the Mega Millions, Herb. You will, I, I swear to God, you will never win Mega Millions, and if you do, I will shave my head. Um, anyways, you can place your bets on points, but uh, it's the best way to bet live on football, baseball. They have so many different options. You can build the perfect live same-game parlay by commanding your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. I liked 
uh, putting together the player prop or player uh, parlay of under White Sox home runs. And that mm. one hit, uh, I'm one and one. And uh, <laughs> you can usually get that for plus money. Uh, so What's that again, at? like a half? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's under a half home run. Uh, so whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And I think somebody needs uh, referral services here because Chi-Town Cornhole, I understand the alliteration, but it's called bags, my friend. But if whether you're playing bags or cornhole, it's still the same game using the same boxes. And Chi-Town Custom Cornhole is the number one provider of those boxes for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. Pretty early. I mean, you look back with White, White Sox history, last playoff series they won 2005. Chi-Town Cornhole founded in 2007. So, I mean, fairly new to yeah. the market. Um, their signature box style design could be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. Our cornhole boxes uh, come with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back. They have LEDs that light up the hole, and there's a nice little switch right inside the box as well. In the exterior, there's handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers. It's veteran-owned and operated, and they can ship anywhere. And it's also local pickup. It's Chi-Town. So if you're in the Chi-Town area and want to pick up your bags, boxes, my friends, uh, call up the people at Chi-Town Cornhole or visit them at ChiTownCornhole.com. Again, they specialize in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social event, wedding gifts, and gifts for all occasions, and especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues. Again, ChiTownCornhole.com. We have many sets here at CHG offices, all of them looking as beautiful as the next. And we brought them out for our uh, CHGO Bears, right. first CHGO Bears tailgate we had this past Sunday. We're going to have many more, guys. So I think the next one might be November 6th. Or it at is least November 6th. I think six more coming. November 6th is a great day, by the way. It's uh, Lamar Odom's birthday, Sally Field's birthday, some other jerk who's in a chair right here's birthday. Oh. So enjoy yourself and come out to our tailgate and you can play uh, some bags. I was terrible. Just absolutely horrible at uh, bags. This uh, group that beat us, it was myself and Cody Del Mendo, who was a CHGO uh, Cubs uh, host, and they beat us pretty soundly. Cody held his own. I sucked. And that group that beat us just stayed on back on the bags thing the rest of the afternoon. I went back over to check on them. They lost their last game, but they had played like six or seven other teams and had smashed every single one of them. But they were great. And, yes, they do light up. The hole does light up if you just light click, up. click inside, <laughs> and it uh, shows you where the hole's at if you need uh, that if you're playing at night. But it was a nice, bright, sunshiny day there at uh, Roosevelt and Michigan Avenue. It had perfect place for uh, CHGO tailgate, and we're going to have that again. Yeah, and shout-out to our guy Jake for setting that all, all up. I know there's a lot of different people here at CHGO that helped that make that event great. Um, we saw all the social media posts uh, on it, but uh, Jake, uh, you know, our, our guy, uh, our, our leader here at CHGO, did one hell of a job uh, to set that whole thing up. All right, let's jump into some injury talk here. Um, it, from Vinny's piece, uh, he asked, what went wrong in 2022? And he has a quote from Joe McEwing. Um, Injury-wise, that's where I believe it really didn't come together their base coach, Joe McEwing, told CHGO last week because no one was on the field at the same time, ever, throughout the whole year. Dylan followed up. Dylan C. said injuries definitely don't help. Not having your full lineup and full roster for a lot of the year definitely hurts. Now, let's look at some numbers here. This is from Man... I, I wanna, I'm going to go to this one first, Stephen. Um, do they have the people that I need to credit here? Yeah, mangameslost.com. Uh, so this is via Man's... 
man, M-A-N, games, G-A-M-E-S, lost.com. And it's MLB injuries and injured list games uh, missed versus team wins. And you have on the bottom all of the team injuries and team uh, injuries lost to games missed, ranging from 500 to uh, 1,750. And then team wins ranking from 50 to 110 uh, on the left side on your uh, your Y-axis, friends. On the X-axis is the uh, names missed. The White Sox, if you look on YouTube, basically in the middle. There's nothing really separating them. They've had around basically 1,000 games lost uh, to injuries and around 80 wins, and they sit near the middle, right by your San Diego Padres, right uh, behind the Seattle Mariners who are in the playoffs. Atlanta's lost more uh, people to games and injuries, and they're in the playoffs. Philadelphia is still a wild-card team. They've lost more people to injuries. The Dodgers have won over 100 games, and they have more injuries than the White Sox. You can even look at the nine Mets. They're there, too. Your favorite squadron, by the way. Yep. They have the same amount. It looks uh, via this uh, graph. They have the same amount of injuries and games lost. Uh, Of course, Jacob DeGrom was out for a long time. Max Scherzer out for a long time. But... The nine Mets are out here still doing work, out here doing great work. And as Fanboy says, injury excuse, it's a loser's lament. What Joe McEwing said is a loser's lament. We never had all these players together at the same time. So who cares? No one cares about your excuses. Just play ball. They always fall back on, uh, oh, once we get this guy back. Oh, once we get Aloy back, once we get this back, once we get that back, we're going to do stuff. How about you don't get him back? How about you take the mentality of next man up? Next man up. Right. If you're not, if, if Aloy's not here, fuck him. Not necessarily <laughs> fuck him, but stop thinking about Aloy. If you're not in the clubhouse and you're not ready to play, we're not thinking about you. And I don't want you in the clubhouse if you're not ready to play. We're having only people in here who are ready to play and not having the built-in excuse, and that's exactly what you're going to hear from Rick Hahn if he's allowed to come back next year, which pretty much he will be. Oh, man, injuries were such a bugaboo for us. And you see right here the White Sox weren't more injured than most of the teams in Major League Baseball. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays. If we look at that graph again, they are the most injured team, and they're going to the GD playoffs. Like, can we... Stop with the excuses of injuries. Can we stop giving Teflon Han reasons to be thinking that this team will be good if they had everybody 100%. Jose Abreu's been healthy the whole damn year. Mm-hmm. He has 15 home runs. 15. Andrew Vaughn. In his last 50 games, he has won. Exactly. Andrew Vaughn's played pretty much the whole year. He got injured. He went on the IL for a little bit, but... He's got 17 to lead the team. Where, where is it coming from? Now you could say Aloy, yeah, if he played more. But when has Aloy ever played more? These things happen because that's what they do. Aloy gets hurt. Yoan gets hurt. Tim gets hurt. Luis Robert gets hurt. Get better players that don't get hurt. Or stop depending on them to play 150-plus games. God, I hate this team so badly. They excuse after excuse after excuse, then underperforming, mired in mediocrity, and they keep their jobs. There's no accountability for these guys after they fail time and time again. None at all. And Rick Hahn will say the same stuff, and we never hear from Kenny Williams because they don't never want him to talk, but he doesn't need to be here either. What does he do? As the Bob say, what is it that you do here, Kenny Williams? 
It's not working well. And I want somebody to tell me one thing that Rick Hahn does well here, except for signing contracts on these players early in their career before they hit arbitration. But is it? But that's it. And, what and, does he do other than that? Well, and I understand that point. But even then, like we look at what the White Sox have done that, and you brought this point up, you know, uh, doing uh, signing guys before they've taken at bats. And you can also throw in project Birmingham and uh, of Sox that uh, things that the Sox have kind of created or have been on the forefront of, but we really haven't seen too many teams take or follow the White Sox routes. Like we've kind oh. of seen the Braves lock up guys early, uh, Ozzy Albies to a very, very friendly team, friendly contract. They, they robbed Ozzy Albies. Uh, Austin uh, Riley got a big payday as well, but he played. Um, you even saw the Michael Harris um, get a, get an extension Michael eight Harris years too. and seventy-two uh, million dollars. So uh, they've paid their guys, but they've wanted Actually to good, see though. them play first mm-hmm. before they paid them. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really want to blame injuries. Uh, we can look at the the lineups here. Sox just played in their 155th game. Um, this is the most common starters per baseball reference. Yes, Monty Grandal has played 67 games at catcher. He's been worth a negative 1.3 B war. Jose Abreu has played 125 games at first base. He's worth four uh, baseball reference war. Josh Harrison at second base, 86 games played there, uh, 1.5 war. Yohan Moncada, 95 games. He's at a one war. Tim Anderson, 79 games. He's at a 1.1 war. AJ Pollock, 105 games in left field, a 0.6 war. Luis Robert, 91 games in center field, a 2.1 war. And Gavin Sheets in right field, 79 games at a negative 0.6 B war. Aloy Jimenez, though, 46 games, a 1.8 B war. Um, you know, Jose Abreu obviously clearly sticks out. And it's like, why would you want to move away from that guy? But as you're saying, like, it's always about who's coming back or who's coming up. And it's never about adding to the team that's already going, right? It's never about, you know, we're just going to add to this team and they're going to pick up where we left off and we're just going to continue to churn, right? It's that person needs to lift up the spirits, be the savior of the team and, you know, start hitting 900 home runs uh, and, and, you know, really just set this team off. If anybody has the excuse this year, it would be my San Diego Padres. They lost arguably their best player in Fernando Tatis Jr. at the beginning of the year and then came out that he took some steroids. And he says for different reasons, the man took steroids because he wanted to be a better player. And if you think it's the first time he took steroids, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> um, they're going to the playoffs. They're in the, they're, they got a juggernaut right above them and then Dodgers. Winning 100 games every year. Giants won 100 games last year. Do they make excuses? They say, oh, woe is me. No Fernando Tatis. They're like, no, next man up. You're going to be playing. All the rest of you guys going to play. And then what did A.J. Preller do at the at the trade deadline? Go and get Juan Soto. Now, he hasn't been the juggernaut that people expect, but he's on the team for next three, four years. They don't make excuses for their injuries. The White Sox constantly make excuses for their injuries, for their shortcomings. And that's that's enough. It's tiresome what these guys do. It's very tiresome. I wish that they would just say, it doesn't matter if we had injuries or not. We have to perform better. You just read the numbers on B-War. Those guys were, and Jose Abreu has been playing the whole year. To only have a four-war, I mean, it's good. It's a good number. But the power is not there. No. And and like we said, last 50 games, he's got one home run. Jose Abreu does have an OPS of 818. And you mentioned Juan Soto uh, kind of being a dud in San Diego. Um, he, he'd be second on the team in OPS if you take a San Diego OPS at 804. Hell, we're looking at the Cubs people, and they're yelling and screaming across from us. That's because Christopher Morrell hit his 16th home run. 
He came up in the middle of the year. He's got 16 home runs. Yeah. 16 home runs. He will be the second home run, second leading home run hitter on the White Sox. And they weren't even looking for him. They weren't even checking for him. He's like the 20th best prospect in their system. Yeah, I don't. I didn't hear much about Morel, and we worked at the score. Yeah, and then that was the Cubs flagship. I didn't hear anything about Morel. So this guy came definitely out of nowhere. And guess what? We lose out. The Cubs win out. They got the same damn record. I don't want to talk about it. The same damn record. Luke Stuckmeyer's getting real crash. I'll tell you that much. Luke Stuckmeyer's getting real bold. With and they're beating here. the Phillies, who need these victories. Yes, they do. To hold off the, the Milwaukee Brewers, who are, I think, if they win today, only a half game behind the Philadelphia Phillies. So not the Cubs are not just beating all Sorens. They're beating teams that are still in it. This is the this is the problem right here. Yeah, before we get into the Cubs and the, the home run news, because White Sox Town says another news, Judge hit 61. I just want to give you this quote from Rick Hahn. This was, I think, from June. Another excuse, somewhere. and yeah, uh, this is uh, not excuse, but like I just, I just want to kind of give, like, because the White Sox just recently fired their trainer uh, last year, and, Alan Thomas. Yes, and obviously there's uh, you know uh, issues around that because Alan Thomas's kid's really good uh, at baseball. Um, but they they moved away from Alan Thomas, and the White Sox really haven't been better at injuries. We, we could see this right now. Um, this was from June 21st. The White Sox have made several changes in training, strength, and conditioning in recent years. Yesterday, Rick Hahn said that seeing improvement, specifically in injury prevention, will be a multi-year process and was hindered by the lockout this winter. Quote, it's underway. I think it got stymied a little bit this offseason, Hahn said, of the long-term improvement and evolution he hopes to see in the team's strength and conditioning effort doesn't mean we aren't each day trying to answer that question in terms of what perhaps uh, we are doing, if not appropriate, what we can do to help stem this tide on the fly. It's going to be difficult in season perhaps to change the results over the next few weeks and months in terms of health. It's more something that you need to build over an extended period of time in a normal offseason. I think in terms of building the proper foundation so a guy is able to get through a seven-month season, ideally unscathed, unscathed there's going to be a fluky or there's going to still going to be fluky things that happen so the White Sox are still in a long-term process to make sure that their guys are out there and on the field part of injury prevention is conditioning and we know that Johnny Cueto is very well conditioned but I do question the other White Sox maybe it, not Reynaldo Lopez because he's on the Johnny Cueto plan that's the thing like you have to have an outsider come in and say hey Raylo get on my track don't even listen to that garbage. Get on my track. This is what's the most important thing. Your wind, your conditioning. And the White Sox didn't have that. And he didn't know that. And he didn't do that stuff until Ray Lo, until um, Johnny Cueto got him into doing it. So it's like, yeah, Rick Hahn, all this says, blah, blah, blah. Rick is BS, is BS in us. And it's the same stuff. If you wanted to do this with Alan Thomas, you could have did this with Alan Thomas. Like, the results for this new trainer, who I don't know who it is, or strength and conditioning coach, I don't know who it is, it's not working out either. And now you give the excuse, oh, it's a multi-year thing. Yeah, you blamed Alan Thomas pretty much. You didn't say the words, but firing him, you blamed him for the injuries of last year. So, whatever, Rick Hahn, whatever. You're just putting yourself into a bad spot. And to not draft his kid, oh, God. You drafted everybody else's goddamn terrible kid at baseball, and you're not going to draft the one that can actually play baseball, that can hit, that can field, 
And Arizona Diamondbacks bet deck's going to have a great outfield for the next six, seven years moving forward. And we're like, nah, we're not going to draft your kid who grew up with the White Sox, who was at the ballpark all the time, here at Mount Carmel High School. And like, nah. And he was pissed because they said, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. And then they go and pick, what, Steel Walker instead of him. Mm-hmm. Who they eventually traded. Yep, and he was on ten. He Four? was like, he was like, man, you pick an out another outfielder instead of me, which you know me and you see me, and you go and pick that dude. Come on now, who's Steel Walker traded for? He was traded for Lance Lynn, I believe. No, that wasn't no more Mazzara. Yeah, let's see. No, Dave Danning was for Lance Lynn. So yeah, it had to it be. Was, no, it was Mazzara. No more yeah. Mazzara. It was Mazzara. So. We hit the five hundred and five foot home run, the longest Great. home run in. Uh, in uh, StatCast history. history, he hit it off of Ronaldo Lopez. Dane Dunning and Avery Weems was the uh, package for Lance Lynn. Goldie Simmons is currently the director of MLB Strength and Conditioning. Herb, I, I don't know if you know much about Goldie Simmons, but do you know anything about Goldie Simmons? Goldie Simmons' mama don't know who much about Goldie Simmons. Well, I bet you can take a guess at where Goldie Simmons' background is on, or what his background, what his, ba- his resume looks like. Getting injured. No. What is it? No, it's being on the White Sox. Um, so the White Sox oh. just hired from within. Um, oh. Goldie Simmons is a former player of the White Sox, mm. uh, was a professional athlete from 2009 to 2011, then a weight room assistant in uh, San Diego State University from 11 to 12, then an account manager slash merchandiser for Coca-Cola Enterprises uh, for a year and three months from 2012 to November 2013, then a strength and conditioning intern at the University of Cal. I don't think Berkeley. It was Cal San Diego from 14, Jan 14 to June 14. Then he was a skills trainer at the San Diego Center for Children from June 14th to February 15th. Then minor league strength and conditioner coach with the Royals from 15 to 15, February 15th to November 15th. Then strength and conditioning intern at UC Berkeley for four months from October 15th to the 16th. Then Arizona Fall League strength and conditioning coach in the AFL for two months. Then the strength and conditioning coach for two months for the Arizona Fall League. And then he was hired by the White Sox on November 15th uh, as the minor league strength and conditioning coach, held that position for three years and 11 months, then was promoted to performance coordinator, then director of uh, major uh, minor league sports performance, and then promoted to director of MLB strength and conditioning. How old is he? Um, Goldie Simmons played in 2009, so I, I would assume that he's fairly young. This guy can't hold a job. Um, That's crazy. Well, I mean, I think it's all about moving up, and, you know, I mean, he, he's what? Should be able to find us. As Chi Town fanboy says, I know Mayor Goldie Wilson. I, I've just never heard that many jobs listed within that small range of time. Sean, do you know who Mayor Goldie Wilson is? No, I don't know who Mayor Goldie Steven? Wilson is. Not a clue. You got youngsters. Who is he? Back to the Future's mayor, 1985. Oh, I, I'm not going to remember the mayor of Small Back to the Future. Yeah. It was a pretty big thing. He uh, was the first black mayor of uh, Hill Valley. Goldie Simmons is 33, so I don't think it's wow. that crazy that he had that many jobs. Um, it may, Mainly, too, I think a lot of it is just, like, getting working experience. But my main point was just, like, the White Sox still continue to be insular. How do you have a new person view this? It's just, you're just moving the guys up. It's just pushing the shit up. That's it's what I'm saying. pushing shit river up. That's a half it's, of the reason why I don't want Rick to be fired. The only, I mean, the only reason I don't want Rick Harden to be fired because all they would do is move Jeremy Haber up to the spot or Chris Getz up to the spot, a spot that he is not good at because he has never done it. It's the Peter principle. They keep on getting overpromoted and to jobs that they're not ready for. 
Yes. Uh, real quick, want to give a congrats to Jose Abreu. We were uh, kind of trashing him, or I was, saying uh, 50 games, past 50 games, he only has one home run. But he did have a double tonight, making it his 300th double in his career. White Sox career double leaders. Frank Thomas is your leader at 447. Luke Appling at 440. Paul Konerko at 406. Nelly Fox at 335. Harold Baines at 320. And Jose Abreu at 300. Uh, not shocking. He joins that list. Um, if you had to name a list of seven White Sox players who probably hold records, Probably those guys. Yeah, of course, Frank Thomas at the top. I don't think he'll break those records, even if Jose Abreu comes back for a couple more years. That's uh, sacred. I think he can get past uh, Harold Baines if he does come back for next year's season, which you don't want him to. No, I don't. I don't want As the resident I, Jose Abreu hater. I think I don't want to see Jose Abreu back. I, I don't want to see Frank Medicino back. I don't want to see any of the coaches besides uh, Ethan Katz back. Let's talk about some history here before we wrap this up. Uh, Aaron Judge hit a 61st home run. Uh, let's compare Aaron Judge to the top four White Sox home runs hitter, hitters. Aaron Judge has played in 151 games, has hit 61 home runs, has 130 RBIs, 130 runs, a 313 batting average, and 124 walks. The White Sox top four hitters have played in 478 games, much less or much more than Aaron Judge, have hit 62 home runs, only one more, 251 RBIs compared to 130. 214 runs compared to 130, batting average of 283 compared to Judge's 313, and 144 walks compared to Judge's 124. Judge, that guy good. Yeah, and the four would be Aloy, Jose, uh, Andrew Vaughn. And Vaughn. And she, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's just as good as any all those four White Sox pretty much put together. That's amazing. And, 100, and 151 games too? Man, he's going to play over 155 games this year. It's amazing. And, I mean, think about the last time a White Sox guy did that in the outfield. The man's playing right field every day or designated hitter. Like, White Sox like to rest everybody. I would kill for a Loy. Like, 140. Man, he's playing every day and producing numbers. And he rocketed that ball out today. And the guy in left field for uh, Toronto brought a glove. Ball was in his glove. Drops the ball. Ugh. Dropped in the bag, literally. Do you want at who that least, at least five figures, right there. Do you guys see what that guy's name was? No. This is from Infotel.ca. My favorite Can- Canadian uh, in uh, Infotel. Written yeah. by Gregory Strong, Blue Jays fan Frankie Lasagna just misses no. catching Aaron Judge's no. 61st home run ball. No. That's not his real name. Blue Jays fan Frankie Lasagna grabbed a baseball glove from his garage before heading down to the Rogers Center for Wednesday's game against the New York Yankees. With Aaron Judge on the verge of baseball history, Lasagna wanted to be prepared just in case the Yankees slugger hit his 61st home run of the season. Quote, I would never, ever bring a glove other than this situation, Lasagna said. Quote, it's not his name. I needed a bigger <laughs> one. The 37-year-old Toronto restaurant owner can paint stakingly close to catching the historic uh, ball when Judge went deep in the seventh inning. Lasagna stretched over the railing, but the ball hit the wall just a few below and bounced into the Toronto bullpen. A Yankees security, security official later came by to collect it. Uh, so if you were looking for AJ, uh, Aaron Judge's ball on a, 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 a what's it called, a uh, auction site soon, uh, Frankie Lasagna just missed it by inches. Ugh, his name is Latin Lasagna. I know, and Alex Root said he also owns an Italian restaurant he out does. there in Canada. He had to change his name there. It's probably Lasagna put in quotes. He's probably some, like, Frankie Smith or some shit. 
I'm I'm just saying. I know it says what it says on the, on the Great Info Wars, whatever you said. Infowars.ca. <laughs> Info oh, God. Yeah. Oh, we're not sweating. Uh, turn to the frogs, gay. Oh, um, God. <laughs> I don't think Frank Lasagna is his real name. And then secondly, do you think he moves in silence? I don't. I, come on. Who, what are you talking about here? What are you referencing? You don't know what G's move in silence like lasagna? No, what? That's that's a Little Wayne line. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not prepped. I'm Little Wayne here. Uh, I'm not either. I just know the fireman's coming, and that's it. Uh, I just know, I, I know very little Wayne. Uh, that's that's my B on this. Uh, final quiz time, and we'll wrap this up. White Sox need to get to tw- uh, one player to get to 20 home runs. <laughs> Was the last year? It's a Mia, Frankie Lasagna. And that's why and that's why Italy is being run by a fascist. That's why Italy is being mocked and being run by, you know, a uh, new tyrant, right? You, you see that speech from the new Italy leader? She talks about people making fun of uh, Italians, right? And here comes Chi-Town fanboy saying, it's to me, Frankie Lasagna. You know what? Frankie, La- and we did this to Matthew Cortese, so my apologies to Matthew Cortese. But, you know, the, if, if the Italian prime minister wants to blame anyone, blame Frankie Lasagna, all right? That man couldn't catch the damn ball and brought a glove. Ronto Trumpinski. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Pollock. All right. Uh, Herb, oh, God. I got a quiz for you. I'm ready. Last time the White Sox didn't have a hitter have 20 home runs in a season. I'm going to go with 1937. 1937? Yeah. No, earlier or sooner. Oh, uh, this way. Okay. Well, 19. So they were hitless wonders one time, weren't they? Um. So, 1959. No, it's 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 not that that bad. 1990 was the last time. Uh, oh, the, White the Sox, year I started watching. The White Sox didn't have a, a 20 home run hitter. Uh, who led the team in 1990 with home runs? I'm gonna say on that team probably Avon Calderon. No, Robin Avon, Ventura. No, not Avon. Um, not Avon. Dan Pasqua. No, we're just gonna skip it at um, this point. The Calder- Deacon Warren Newsom. Calder- Calderon had 14. Pasqua had 13. Sammy Sosa, Sosa had 15. Funny we're bringing up his name on this day. Oh, uh, Fisk. Ron Kittle had 16. And number 18, 42-year-old Carlton Fisk had 18 home runs. But in 1989, the White Sox also didn't have a player hit 20 home runs. And I think this one's more, more interesting because Fisk had 18, right? So if Vaughn ties Fisk, you know, that's the same, same number there. When was the last time someone had less it was 1989. Avon Calderon led the team with 14. Uh, so rest in peace, it, it Avon Calderon. Avon with 15, 14, Carlton Fisk with 13, Baines with 13, Pasco with 11, Kittle with 11. Just ugly. Uh, the, and then the time before that was 1980, Tony Larusa's first year. Uh, the team was led by Jim Morrison, not that Jim Morrison, the other Jim Morrison. Uh, Jim Morrison hit 15, and Wayne Nordenhagen, Wayne Nordenhagen hit 15 as well that year in I, 1980. But I'm pretty sure that 1990s team won like 90 plus games and they just were in the AL West versus the A's who were juggernaut who eventually got beat by the other juggernaut, the Cincinnati Reds, who were the last team who went from start to finish uh, winning every game and uh, leading the American National League and then sweeping the uh, A's in the World Series after that. 
I think the White Sox did that too. Yeah, you need a you need a uh, what's it called? You need a, a wild card for the ninety uh, White Sox. Ninety White Sox went ninety four and sixty eight. Oakland A's went one hundred three and fifty nine. Uh, White Sox would have won the the East division though. Red Sox were eighty eight and seventy four. So Sox, if they were just in the other division, uh, wouldn't be able to pull it off. Uh, most home runs or most twenty uh, home run hitters by a White Sox in a year. A White Sox team two thousand four: Creedy, Canerco, Lee, Rowan, Uribe, and Valentin, and mm. two thousand eight. Die, Konerko, Quinton, Ramirez, Swisher, and Tomey. Uh, very shocking not to be able to Let's add get back there. Abreu, Jimenez, Robert, Vaughn, Sheets, and Grindall to that list. Just just kind of sad. Uh, or even Moncada. But that's going to do it. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll probably talk a little bit more about uh, Aaron Judge and that chase uh, and, and 62 a little and bit Frankie later. And Frankie Lasagna, too. And Frankie Lasagna. Uh, Daniel Gamboa asked, you know, what's what's the Judge 61 ball going to go for? Again, nothing because the Yankees have it in their possession. They're probably going to just give it to Cooperstown or Aaron Judge himself. It was a Toronto Blue Jays like bullpen guy who caught it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's probably just going I'm like, nah, I'm good. And it wasn't Frankie Lasagna. Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow Herb Lawrence again at, on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. You can follow Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He has a brand new piece up at allchgo.com. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing the show. Thank you to Fleetwood Mac for your 1979 album, Tusk. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 1130 a.m. Go Sox.